this is Doro and Trisha Riley Cook and I are joining you today because when Trisha and I sat down to try to think of a mother to interview on Mother's Day, we thought, hey, what the heck? We're both mothers. Let's go with us. So here we are and we hope you enjoy it. People are yearning for information. Having the opportunity to encourage people and to educate people and inspire people. It's amazing to be able to say we'll carve out time to take care of ourselves. There's something for everyone. So, um, Trisha, hi. Hey, Doro. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm excited because today we're going to do a special Mother's Day podcast. The reason being you and I are both mothers. You're a mother of four. I'm a mother of four. You have two boys and two girls. I have two boys and two girls. We share a lot in common when it comes to motherhood. Yes. Yep. We absolutely do. (laughs) So let's start. I want to ask you, I'm going to start by asking you about the stages of motherhood. (laughs) How do you view the stages of motherhood? What was the hardest stage of motherhood for you? What was the most joyful? What was the easiest? It's so fun to sit and reflect on our motherhood, you know, because as you say, there's so many different stages and just having gone through it with Emily, right? My daughter-in-law, I kind of see the early stages. I can remember the early stages, so I can talk about that. But I think the earliest, earliest stages of motherhood were those years when you were looking forward to when you were going to start your family. Like, you know, uh, I want to have this many children and I'll name them this. And then I would, I can remember like I would say their names. I think of their names and I'd put it with Cook, K-O-C-H and see if it went. And then that was all before there was a baby. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was a fun time. The pre-baby stages. Yes. Before you knew what hit you. Yeah. Before you knew what hit you. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Then you're pregnant, which is an exciting time in itself. Then it hits you. Then you have your little baby. And I think that was just, again, remembering it maybe more prompted by watching Emily and Riley. Just sort of that, I can't believe this is my baby. You know, I just can't believe that this is my baby. I don't really know what to do, but you figure it out and they're your baby for life. It's just amazing. I do remember that really well. The honest of it. And then you're just so in love. I mean, you never realized you could have so much love for that baby. And then they get kind of- (laughs) The door stop. Tell everybody the sizes of your babies. (laughs) Well, mine were rather large. I don't know whether to be embarrassed about this or proud of it, but three out of the four were 10 pounds plus. I think the largest baby might have been Ellie, who's 10, eight or something. And then um, I think Sam was the perfect 10, he likes to say. (laughs) And then Robert was something like 10, six. And Gigi literally fell out. She was about eight pounds, six ounces, which probably for the average person was a big baby. Definitely. Because that's how much I think Riley weighed and he was our biggest. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So then they begin to walk and they're toddlers and they're getting. Which we see through Dottie right now. Yeah, so we're viewing that through Dottie, which is so absolutely adorable. But (laughs) I will say it's exhausting. It's so exhausting. Yesterday we were together and Dottie was hysterical. And Dora turns to me and she says, look what you have to look forward to. And Dottie is like, 
piling on every toy in the house, right? She's piling on her mambo. On top of mambo. (laughs) And I said to Trisha, you know, what we do, look at this. I've got a stacked tower of toys on top of me and I'm just like, okay, no problem. No, so cute. But that wasn't like, again, when we were moms, we didn't view it that way. Remember, it was just exhausting. (laughs) It was completely exhausting. We were sleep deprived by that point. We probably were having more children. And that's when it really, the blank hits the fan. (laughs) But um, I just remember being exhausted. And then the minute they became middle schoolers and teenagers, and I saw a study that said that 2000 parents that said the middle school is the hardest time to be a parent. I just remember being a parent of teenagers and actually being kind of afraid of what they were going to get into. And honestly, I always say with Sam, I was behind the eight ball. He was getting away with all kinds of stuff. (laughs) And I'd learn, you know, like a month later what happened or something. And then with Ellie, I was sort of on top of her, like, what are you doing? And then with Robert, he hadn't even had a thought in his head that I was all over him about, you can't do that. He's like, do what? I'm not even doing, you know, even thinking about doing anything. And then by the time Gigi came, I was exhausted. She did just about whatever. So how was teenage years? For teenage you? years, you know, the same, I think. The one thing that's just what you were talking, I was thinking about what someone said to me. I, I wonder if she listens to our podcast. Her name's Jamie. And I, she was a mom that had children older than our children. And I remember her saying to me, you know, Trisha, because that was, you know, when you were on that track where every weekend it's a sports member yes. and they were on this sports and that sports and doing all these activities. And I remember her saying to me, you know, if I could give you any advice and i don't think I asked for the advice. It must have been kind of obvious. Or whatever well, it was, was free. So they call free advice. And I remember her saying, you know, well, who told us this too, just recently, like 1% of 1% become professional athletes. So all of the things that we're doing on the weekends and the pressure on the sports and the this and the that, she said, you know, think about it because you want to make sure you don't miss this family time. And then I remember we were over, I mean, the two older ones, I mean, we were in a lot of like a couple basketball leagues, you know, that kind of stuff. But I remember with the others and we did sort of pull back. And I remember that was really good advice that she gave us because, you know, you kind of do get hung up on it. And it wasn't that I thought my kids were superb athletes. It was just that everybody else was doing it. I think we were doing a lot of things maybe that weren't that necessary, you know, that might have added a lot of stress to our already somewhat stressful weekends, you know? I remember all of that. I think I crisscrossed the state of Maryland and spent hours on the baseball field and all of that. Yeah, which is fun. But to the young mothers listening, what Jamie said to me, I thought was kind of good advice, you know, just sort of balance it, have it be balanced. Because I remember that period not being extremely balanced. Chance slim to none that they're going to be going to the Olympics or the NFL. (laughs) Some do, though. Some (laughs) Some do. do. Some do. Ours did not. Ours did not. They did not. They didn't even show early signs. They're doing fine. If they're listening, you all are doing just fine, which they're not listening. So that's okay. (laughs) Now we've moved teenage, college, of course, everyone, college can be challenging or not. But now we're into adult children. And that's where you and I have often spoken about that. Like, wow, nobody's written a book on this adult children. Somebody really should, because we really were involved in our children's lives. So now that they become adults, you're not going to not be involved in their lives. Right. But it's like, it's kind of their life. So Dora, we talked a lot about that, right? Like how's that going to work and how is that working? 
Here's an example of something that's funny that happened, but that's typical if you're, you know, you've been involved in your children's life. So I had one child who had a significant other and they broke up and you would have thought that I'd been stabbed in the heart. (laughs) Everyone in our family felt that way. My entire extended family were like, what? (laughs) You know, on this news of one of my children. That's when I said to myself, all right, take a step back. This is not your life. They are adults. You're too invested. (laughs) Let them live their life. But it's hard because you end up, I mean, it's wonderful that we are part of their lives. But I said to you today, I gave you that example, I think. And I said, can you imagine our mothers having that reaction? They would have been like, oh, okay. You know, I mean, and moved on rapidly. Right, rapidly. Speaking of our mothers, Dora, tell us what was it like being the daughter of Barbara Bush? (laughs) Well, my mom had a public persona. She was like the grandmother that made chocolate chip cookies. And I remember when her chocolate chip cookie went around on the internet. It was good, good, but I was laughing because she never made a chocolate chip cookie in her a day in her life. So, but I hate to shatter her image, but she was a wonderful mother. I mean, my mom, if she were born in a different generation, could have run a company. I mean, she was strong and smart and all of those things. Slightly intimidating, if I'm to be 100% honest, but she always had opinions and she always had advice. You know, she would say things to me like, you know, the most important things in life aren't things. So just remember that. I mean, she was very full of very good advice, really. But she was our disciplinarian when, especially the boys, because my four brothers are older than me. She was the disciplinarian because my dad was, we adored. We would have jumped in front of a train for my dad. He was kind, but he could be because my mom was the one that kept the train running. She was a different mom to my brother and I, my oldest brother, President Bush, 43, and I are 13 years apart. She was a little league mom with George. And then when I came along, they were really busy. And so she was a great mom, but she could be tough too. How how about your mom? Your mom seems really sweet. (laughs) She was really sweet. (laughs) She was really sweet and is really sweet. My mom's 90. She'll be 91 this year. So she's actually beginning to have sort of the early stages of Alzheimer's and dementia. So we're going through that right now, which is really tough. tough. And I think that's also um, when we talk about the stages of motherhood as daughters, seeing our mother's Mm -hmm. age is tough and to watch them suffer so. So anyway, we're dealing with that. But my mom was a great mom. She really was. Like, if we think about how you want your mother, my mom, she was great. She was probably our disciplinarian as well. She was strict. In a lot of ways, she was overwhelmed for a lot of our childhood. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably why it carried on to my motherhood, maybe a mother. She was overwhelmed with five kids, one with special needs, you know. So as a result, she was very organized. So we lived on a pretty tight schedule. We knew exactly when we would be eating dinner. We knew exactly when we were getting up in the morning. It was great because there was not a lot left to chance. So she's a great mother. Again, it's yeah. sad. It's just sad now to be in this stage now where I know m- many others are to see their moms or their parents in a situation that it's tough because it's not them yeah. really anymore. Yeah, it is tough. Your mom's a wonderful person and she's suffering with dementia. And my mom 
she suffered physically. Her mind was sharp, but her body fell apart. And your mom's body, I saw her the other day. Yeah. She's strong and in good Remarkable. Shape. Her blood work is amazing. I mean, she can still touch her toes. She can still do all, because she was big into yoga and flexibility and stuff. But yeah, but her mind now, so. What lessons did you learn from your mom? So my mom taught us a lot. And again, I've got two sisters and two brothers, one of which passed away. My older brother passed away a couple of years ago. And that was my older brother who has special needs. His name was TJ. And he was our oldest. So our mother taught us a lot about respecting people with disabilities. Both my mother and father were very much advocates, obviously, their son was special needs. And it was really instilled in us as children to treat people with dignity, no matter where they came from. And that's a lesson that I really treasure, you know, and it, it's helped me in even raising my children. My wish is and my hope is that they carry that on now. I was witness to oh, your family you. and your mom and your dad teaching. They taught me. I'll never forget when I went to visit your brother who had Down syndrome at Day Springs at his home. And remember, yes. I was supposed to give a speech <laughs> and yes. I, I think I got two words out and then just burst into tears. But it was so beautiful the way your parents, both your parents, dedicated their life to those with special needs. So that's such a great lesson. They were remarkable that way and are remarkable that way. Mm -hmm. How about you? Okay, we all are sitting on the edge of our seats. What lessons did your mother teach you? I mean, to be the daughter of Barbara Bush is amazing. The only daughter of Barbara Bush. True. One of the things that she taught me was not to take life too seriously. She mm -hmm. had a very funny sense of humor and she saw the humor in just about everything. We laughed a lot with mom. But she always had something funny to say, not to take life too seriously. It was one thing. And she could very well have been sort of high on her horse about yeah. herself. And she never was. She was very humble and funny. I think she always wanted us to be a force for good. Find someone to help would be something she would say. And she walked that walk with her literacy foundation. And I think everybody in our family has tried to give back in one way or another. And I think she was very proud of what you and I did. Yes, yeah. And trying to reach others with information that could possibly make them healthier and happier. And remember when we went to yes, go health? Yes, yes. <laughs> we went to go health counsel, mom. <laughs> and, you know, she was hilarious. So we said, mom, there's coconut oil and it's really great. It's great for your skin. Everything about it is great. And so put it in your smoothies. And she sort of say, well, I don't know. I don't know if I want to put that in my smoothie. So I think she did ultimately. She did. She did. She did. And then she called later on, like a few days later. And she goes, Deary, I mean, I put it in my smoothie, but I also went to a party and put it on my skin. By the way, I was the only person at the party that didn't get bitten by mosquitoes. So it's a very good coconut oil. And I've told everyone it's very good to keep mosquitoes away. And it was so funny because remember, it was after that we did start hearing that it kept mosquitoes away. And if you Google it, it talks about how effective it is. And we think your mother was the one that kind of got it out there. <laughs> She's always was always ahead of the she curve. Was, always <laughs> was. She was also incredibly loyal and inclusive. And I think you and I think your brothers as well are incredibly loyal. You know, yeah, she was loyal. I mean, she was loyal to dad. She was loyal to her kids. She was loyal to yeah. her friends. 
And I think that's another good lesson. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So speaking of wisdom, what wisdom would you pass on to your, or do you pass on to your children? Or how about wisdom to Riley and Emily being new parents? There's so much you want to tell them, but then you see they're having their own experience, you know? I think it is just to try to enjoy as much as you can, because those baby months go by so quickly and those weeks go by so quickly. And if you can just relax and see if you can enjoy it and try to find the humor in in it, because it is funny and it will pass some of those sleepless nights. But I think it's that just to sort of see if you can enjoy it. I think that's so true. And don't strive for perfection. There's so much information on the internet everywhere about how to be the perfect parent and what you need to do, you know, at this stage, at that stage. And you and I relied a lot more on instinct, I mean, and less on by the book, which, I mean, I will say both of our grandbabies are on great schedules and stuff, but I think my advice would be don't strive to be perfect. Otherwise, you're going to suffer and your child's going to suffer because there is no such thing as perfection. And, you know, we need to take care of ourselves. And if it means the baby watches one more episode of Coco Melon, right. that's okay. <laughs> you know, right. not the allotted 20 minutes, right. says, you know, on the internet that's good for brain health. I mean, you know, so enjoy life and don't try to be perfect. What kind of parent do you see your child being compared to what kind of a mother you are? I can't believe, I know you've said the same thing about Ellie and Nick. I can't believe how Riley and Emily have risen to this occasion to be these incredible young parents. Like, it's amazing to me. And I think also the times now, because Riley is home. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's different because I know when our kids were little, right, Bobby had to go to work, Danny had to go to work. And so they weren't there as much during the day, you know, as they are now. And it's just really nice to see how Riley is such a big part of this infant part of the timeframes with the baby. Because I think, again, he's home. He can do it in between meetings. He's able to be up at night with the baby. And I just think that's so fun to watch. It's just interesting. I think my daughter, Ellie, is a better mother than I was because- Interesting. I think I was a great mom. And I learned from my mother some of the things that were challenging with my mother. I changed. I mean, I'm not that way with my children. So I think in that sense, I'm good. But I think Ellie- I think I was more distracted as a mother and I think she's more tuned in as a mother. I mean, not to put myself down as a mother. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. We'll have to do, as they say, let's unpack that later. (laughs) Later, not now. We won't do it now, listeners. (laughs) Not now. Yeah, because you were a great mom when the kids were little, but yeah. But it is interesting to be able to watch your daughter and probably make those comparisons, you know? Um, The daughter will be two in August, right? Right. And, you know, she's a very happy baby. Oh, she's so Um, cute. And I think I say she's a better mother because I think about the nutrition piece. We just didn't know some of the things that Ellie does know. Now, there's where doing the research and doing all of that (laughs) is good. She feeds her well and all of those things. I mean, I, I'm horrified to think of some of the things I gave my children. I'll never forget one time I was driving to Maine. Sam was in the back and he was the naughtiest baby in the world. (laughs) If he's listening, he's shaking his head. Yes, I was. So to keep him quiet, 
I'm so ashamed of myself, but I would hand him gummy bears or, <laughs> you know, like Twizzler sticks or <laughs> so we got to Connecticut, which was our halfway point. We went and spend the night with my godmother. We get out of the car and Sam's like running, you know, and we get to the front door. And just as my godmother, my godfather was actually my godfather, opened the door, Sam like bent over and threw up <laughs> because I'd stuffed him with all those are the things I think about. You remember. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we didn't know about red dye. You're right. We didn't know that Gatorade wasn't good for our kids way back then, you know? doctors were prescribing it. So you wouldn't think anything about it. And I've forgiven myself because everybody seems to be fine. Yes, exactly. They're thriving. (laughs) Yeah. So let's talk about being a mother and having your kids all gone, all out in the world, all working. How does your mother role different? What should mothers be doing in that I know in my case, because the kids lost their dad, my husband, your brother-in-law now almost seven and a half years. You know, it's interesting because therefore I was a single mom or now I am a single older adult mom, right? Something I really am experiencing in real time and also experiencing like adjusting my expectations. So it's now having a granddaughter and just, oh my gosh, can't believe it. And being the sole grandparent on this side, you know, so it's just experiencing that and feeling responsible for that. And then also the joy of that, the idea that I get to watch her grow up. I see it in a whole other way of a gift that I probably wouldn't have seen it if Danny were here. When I think of your situation, it makes me think of other people who take on mother roles, people who mother people that are not necessarily their own children. Yes. Yes. So talk about that. I'm so glad you brought that up. Dora and I, as you all know, we hike a lot. And in our hikes, we talk often about this kind of thing. And one thing that we talked about recently was how there are so many mothers who might not have children biologically, but that are greater mothers in some, some cases or equally as great mothers to daughters and to sons that might not be theirs biologically. We often think, gosh, I know in, in my case, in my life, I have two sisters. They didn't have children. So they are absolutely amazing influences on my children. And mm-hmm. I know my kids think of them as like second, third moms, that kind of thing. Dora, you're such an influence on my kids, you know, that sort of mother energy that makes them feel safe, you know? Mm -hmm. So I do think that it's what we talk about, everything's in community and that we are so lucky to have strong women in our lives that can be the role of a mother, not only to our children, but Dora, to you and me, we have awesome people that are in our lives that have been great mentors for us. Oh yeah. I think of, um, well, I have a lot of second mother that I call second mothers. I think of Paola Rendon, who was yeah. someone who physically took care of me and loved me when I was growing up. And I think of somebody like Betsy Hemingway. Yeah. Who was like a mother to me and to all my brothers too. There are some really valuable roles for women to mentor and mother not just their own children, or if they don't have children, other women, other children. And we all need that in our lives. I think of my daughter-in-law who lost her mother when she was in, I think, college. And 
her mother's sister has taken a mother role. You know, nothing replaces your mother if you lose your mother, but she's been an influence, a big influence in her life. And I hope I've been a little bit of an influence. It's different with your mother-in-law, you know, it's not the same, but there are roles that are important for women to take on. It's so true. And that whole mother energy. And this year, I think a lot of our listeners know that we're talking a lot about the interconnectedness of wellness and the interconnectedness of health. And Dora, that image of like mother earth, how we all know what mother earth is and that energy of mother earth and that caring and that nourishing energy from mother earth. And I, I don't know, that comes up to me too. And how that energy takes such good care of us as well at any age that we are. I know. And when you say that, I think of a tree with roots that are strong and big, tall trees that, you know, you can, with that mothering, with that nurturing of the earth, with the nurturing of a mother, you can grow strong and tall and all of that. The role of the mother, no matter who's playing that role, it's such an important role. And, And in our case, we're so lucky that we got to actually be the mothers and watch our children grow up. I think that's really one of the biggest joys, obviously, of our lives. It really is. And so we're coming to the end of the podcast. So what do you wish for people on Mother's Day? What's what's your wish for people? I guess, you know, Dora, I'm going to take a page from you. So I hope you weren't going to say this when I put the question back <laughs> to you. <laughs> but isn't it a great day to set aside and just feel grateful? For the mothers that you, we have, the mothers that have stepped in for us, for our grandmothers, for our daughters that are mothers, and even you know a lot of men that have filled the role mm-hmm. of a mother. If you could step back and just take in the feeling of gratitude. Dora was with me yesterday. There's a woman named Sister Frances that was a really big deal in our life growing up. She was actually my older brother's caretaker, Sister Frances. She was a sister since she is in her 30s, but the role that she has played in all of our lives, Dora, she's touched your life, so many people's lives, all the children that she's in some way been involved in. I mean, she's been a mother in the best sense of that word. So if we could all think about somebody in our lives that have played that role or we read about, again, just that sense of gratitude on that special day that we celebrate our mothers. I just, I couldn't say it any better than that. So I'm going to go with that, with what you said. Yeah, because I stole your thing. Uh, No, it's okay. (laughs) It's okay. It's okay. I would just say my wish is that all mothers and all pseudo mothers and all fathers and all everyone be safe and healthy and feel loved and give love. Because when you give love, you get it right back. And just to bask in that love on Mother's Day and every day. And I just thank all of our listeners for tuning in. And we just wish you a happy Mother's Day. Yes, happy Mother's Day. Thank you for joining us on Health Gig. We loved having you with us. We hope you'll tune in again next week. In the meantime, be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast and follow us on healthgigpod.com. I'm Trisha. And I'm Doro. Be well.